0: This is podcast number two, Rotten Bananas and Our Bodies. We interview chef, writer, community organizer, Isane Batista, who owns a woman of color-run food cooperative that is committed to food justice and equity. Thank you for listening. So we have Isane Batista of Woke Foods here with us, and we're so happy to have you as our first guest. First question, how do you identify culturally, racially, socially, and sexually?
1: So I'm a queer Afro-Dominicana. I identify as Afro-Dominicana, Afro-Latinx, Black Latina, and socially consider myself a working class uh, person. Right now, low income, but hopefully not for long. Trying by next year not to be on food stamps, so. (laughs) Now that there's anything wrong with food stamps, definitely held me down my entire life. And I want to be in a place where I don't necessarily need to rely on food stamps. Thank
2: you for sharing. What do you do and how does your identity shape that?
1: I'm a chef, a farmer, a writer, and a community organizer, Everything that I do is um, interconnected and has a lot to do with my life experiences. Growing up in low-income family, single-parent household, with a parent that was incarcerated, definitely opened my eyes to many different things and allowed me to experience systems of oppression that I necessarily did not name or know how to name before. Actually, after college, I'll be honest. These identities and how they shape our lives were never discussed in my schooling, and they were things that I learned after while doing my own reading, while getting involved in my community through organizing. So the organizing that I do is uh, racial equity and food justice work. The work that I do, Woke Foods, we're very intentional about um, saying explicitly that we are a food company, a cooperative actually. So a cooperative is a business that is owned by the employees. So being explicit about we're a women of color owned food cooperative that hires women of color that are immigrant or undocumented. And we are clear about our food, which is Dominican food um, and changing the narrative that our food is unhealthy, but it's actually very healthy and it's what has sustained our people, and sustain our ancestors for many years, and allowed us to resist all the colonialism that exists in in our island, and also that we experience here in the United States after we migrated here.
2: Oh, very real. But initially, you said you identify as Afro-Latinx, Black, and Latino. What does Afro-Latinx mean to you?
1: It means that we are descendants of, of Africa and that we are a, a product of, of the transatlantic safe trade, but also I'm someone that can access a lot of privilege because of the way I look, my skin tone. While I'm not necessarily light skin, I'm not dark skin. And while my hair is not straight and blonde, like all these different minimal things, Access a certain privilege. And so for me, I hold all of that while also holding that my culture is rooted in Africa.
2: Thank you for sharing that. In our first podcast, I also mentioned that being Black and South Asian, I understand having that privilege and like having to use it for people who don't have that same privilege and still calling out and calling in people who want to like objectify and exoticize like what that privilege means thank you for sharing that
1: yeah definitely it's something that i think should be spoken more about the racial equity work that i do is with um afro-latinx and afro-dominican and uh, and other spanish-speaking caribbean people so i think it's conversations that are not had enough because we're focused so much on on validating ourselves as as afro-latinos or as black that we sometimes negate the privilege that comes with us having the opportunity to even travel back to our countries is something where to go down here if it's just not a privilege that many black Americans have and so it's important to acknowledge that
2: I'm happy that you acknowledge that because um like my family they're from Trinidad and Mm. so
1: um
2: that's something that I always keep in mind like I understand what you mean, something to go down here. And it feels like it could very well happen tomorrow.
1: It's going down right now. It's going (laughs)
2: down right now. And I'm specifically saying, like, to me. Like, Mm -hmm. somebody could pull me over and ask me for my passport, like, when I leave here. Um, And if that happens, there's a place I can go. And like you said, people who the only boat stop was here, and it was not... In a Caribbean island potentially like won't know what other places they can go to, or if they even have another place to go to. Family ties could have been severed, or there was no family ties. This was the stop.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: This is all interesting conversation, but I wanna go to like the name of your cooperative, so Mm -hmm. woke foods. And I feel like you probably have heard this before, but everyone has a problem with being called woke or like the term woke and You were with me at the Sankofa Retreat. Mm -hmm. um, And someone in our car called this person woke. And automatically, there was a trigger in me. And I was like, can you define woke? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like you're maybe giving this person this title without it being like, Mm -hmm. you know, without this person being worthy of it. So can you quickly define woke? And this might take longer time. But how are people in our communities using this term and its ideas to liberate ourselves And how is this term being used to further harm our communities?
1: Woke, as I define it on our website and for our business, is a state of understanding that the political is personal and the personal is political. That all of our different facets of our life intersect the political, even if we don't want to acknowledge it or be aware of it. That when you go to the supermarket and you buy a certain product or you buy at a certain supermarket, you are being political. When you go to Whole Foods, you're being political. When you go to Key Foods, you're being political. When you are choosing to travel to a certain place, what you do there is political. Like everything affects everything. And so this is like term voting with your dollars. It's sort of like that. Honestly, I named it Woke Foods as a joke. And then I was like, oh, this is actually kind of catchy. So it stayed that way. Uh, but yes, I have my, my own issues with the word woke too, because it's become so popular that a lot of people are coining the term as soon as they get like one one dosage of like consciousness without acknowledging that even being conscious and woke is a privilege. It's a privilege knowing all this information, having access to books and, and institutions and, and people where you can have these conversations that a lot of the people that we're talking or being woke for don't have access to. And so I, I agree and think that while it's, it's something that's catchy, we need to be very clear about what privilege comes with being woke. And honestly, a lot of people like coin like, will use that term like, "Oh yeah, I'm woke. And it's like, honestly, if you're calling yourself woke, you're probably not that woke. <laughs> <laughs> and a, another sort of not pet peeve, but something that I, I want, I would like people to know is that we will not be liberated as a people, until black people are liberated. So I don't go on this like rhetoric of like, I'm Afro-Latina, and I'm so proud. Because I am proud. I get, I'm clear about that. I don't need nobody to validate my Afro-Latinidad. And I'm also clear that I need to do my part in my work to stand in solidarity for black and queer people and trans people. That's It's like a trickling effect.
2: I have another question, but I'm very... Like specific in who I allow in my spaces and who I allow to be woke. Specifically white folks. Like you said, having access to education that awoken us um, is a privilege. And so I don't, if there are people of color, I don't have any negative feelings towards them if they are or like any negative like views towards them if they are dealing with internal racism Mm -hmm. or if they are using assimilation Mm -hmm. as a means to survive Mm -hmm. because and i won't say that they're not woke Mm -hmm. um they're in their process right and you know based on our own experiences that is what like shapes how we will use like our bodies, like in spaces and what we will do to survive. Um, and some of us like don't have the luxury to go against the grain and Like we have the privilege and like now we have the institutions and now we have the spaces and access to or know how to access like the funds to do it. So we have to use our privilege in that way. White folks specifically are not woke to me if they do not use their bodies or their money to liberate black people, specifically black Americans. Snap, snap. But they're not always aware of who is a Black American and who is a Black immigrant? Are the boat stops that we took along to get here? Um, and they release articles that say things like New York City schools are the most segregated schools. Mm-hmm. And although I have a classroom full of Black students, they come from twelve different places, mm. and that is not segregated segregation to me. If I have a Dominican student sitting next to a Haitian student, that's a political act and that's desegregation. Mm-hmm. So I feel a kind of way about
1: it. Like when I do too. I don't... People are like, oh, the school's just decorated again. I'm like, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want... I don't know. Like I'm. I don't have any children, but I know that when I do have children, I do want them to be in a certain space and would love for that space to be people of color only because I don't know... This is very hard to create a safe space. That's not guaranteed. One of my mentors always says, you know, it's more li- liberated zone versus safe space. And yeah, your classroom sounds dope. I would want my kid to be in that classroom.
2: Thank you. And woke foods is dope. <laughs> so my next question is, are you vegan? Or what? what is a vegan? If you are how and when did you decide to become vegan or like how did you eliminate foods mm-hmm. um, like what has that process been like within the Caribbean community because like our people hold on to food and hold on to the ways that we make food like as a means of staying connected to who we are.
1: For sure. I started my journey officially, like with titles and shit, like vegan and vegetarian. In 2011, I was part of this program through the Peace Advocacy Network. They have a thing called the Vegan Pledge, where you come together with different people and pledge to be vegan for a month. And I got partnered with a mentor and we had weekly meetings and my mentor was actually Dominican a Dominican woman, and I was like, yay, i are so lucky. And she really opened my eyes to all the Dominican foods that are vegan, like mashed plantains, mango, just all these vegetables. Root vegetables are a part of our diet, like yuca, cassava in English. And that sort of started the journey. After that, I realized, I honestly, I wasn't in a, in a place, I didn't have enough knowledge to be vegan because I... I was unemployed and, you know, I was on food stamps and I was like, I don't know how to buy healthy food like this. So I just decided to be vegetarian, just eliminating meat, but eating things that have animal product in it. I couldn't think that much about like, oh, this has eggs, so I can't eat it. This has honey, I can't eat it. So vegan is eliminating anything that comes from an animal, including honey and eggs and dairy. And so I decided to just stick to vegetarianism. I was a vegetarian until I moved back to the Dominican Republic about two years ago. And there I was a volunteer, I wasn't getting paid. And sometimes the neighbors or the school would feed me meat and I couldn't say no, like I, I need to eat and survive. So I started eating meat again. I also felt fine with it because even when I decided to be a vegan, it wasn't about animals. Like for me, it's about animal rights. I think it's a circle of life, and need to be killed. But I don't know where this is coming from, and what I know of where this is coming from, I don't feel comfortable with putting additional hormones and antibiotics into my body. Because so I've been dealing with a lot of digestive issues already. And so then being in the DR, knowing that in that same town that I was living, the animals were being raised, that felt fine to me. And then once I came back to the United States, I transitioned back to being vegetarian. So that's what I do now. But I don't like to do labels. For me, food is about just eating for eating for energy and for you to do what it is that you need to do and so even even using the word woke is about literally awakening your mind to be aware of all these systems of oppression and all this shit that is going down that we feel like oh it's just a normal day like no we have a revolution happening right now before our eyes so we need to be awakened to it we need to be healthy for it we need to be ready for it and we need to support each other in getting us healthy my family at first was like what the heck are you doing but because there was such an Increase in diet related illnesses in my family. I've been guiding them towards the things that we already knew how to do so I'm not teaching them anything I'm just like hey we already do this we already use food as medicine we already make remedials and um, homemade homemade remedies so like let's go back to that with my company I hire my grandmother my aunts and they've been changing certain recipes like yesterday we made our um, our cornmeal fritters of almond milk instead of oh, regular yay. milk so you know and they like it like oh I you know I like this and that's been great they were a little bit like resistance at resistant at first but once they saw how it actually relates to their health and they're actually their doctors are not telling them that they're healthier not that they need no doctor to tell them that but they feel better about that right and so i know it's something that caribbean and latinx people um or, or the idea is that we eat a lot of meat but if when you when you go back to history a lot of our diets were plant-based diets because meat was a luxury. At least in the Dominican Republic, not everyone has access to 24-hour electricity. And so we buy our food sort of day by day. And if you are going to eat meat, you're going to buy it that day. But I remember, for the most part, we didn't eat a lot of meat. Or if we did eat meat, it was like cheap meat, like, um um sausage, chong, which is a like, comprise of all types of meat and other um unknown items. <laughs> and so yeah, meat is a luxury and not necessarily like a for at least for my family, like a deal breaker. They are a little skeptical about my vegan sancocho, which is basically a pig stew. They ate it and they actually like it. Cause they as I told them, what makes the stew hearty is the root vegetables because that's what gives it that thickness thank what
2: vegetables can i decide to include in my meals
1: yeah so if you can go on www.wokefoods.com and slash recipes and we have some recipes there like the vegan and culture i just mentioned um i like to use if you are interested in learning more about how to eat seasonally Um, which is very important and something that we try to do in woke foods is go to grow NYC and they have like a list of all the farmers markets in New York City when they're open and also what produce is in season.
0: So the next question is kind of repetitive to what you said. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to skip it and I'm just going to go back to I want to like thank you for being really honest about like your social standing as of now. And thinking more about your future, what do you expect from our communities in order to like rise woke foods versus like what you expect from white allies here in New York City specifically? Um, Like how do you expect both of these communities to come together to maybe shape your, not your future, but woke foods future?
1: Yeah, so as a startup business, we are very dependent on the support of our people. And, you know, in full transparency, I've, it's been really hard because a lot of I, I, what I, I really want my target market to be people of color. And also what's been happening is that I've been in a place of financial scarcity because my people just don't have it. I don't have it. So what can I, how can I expect them to, to, to have it? Um, in terms of money so you know i've been dealing with this whole like y'all maybe i should just target white people <laughs> and i don't want to necessarily like have that mindset i think it can be a balance of both and also i think white people should give us money i think they should hire they should be hiring us for events and paying us you know a good amount of money for the food that we made because cooking is labor intensive it's a lot of work a lot of hours standing on your feet, especially the food that we make, which is um, a lot of our food is made from scratch, and so it takes a lot of time and just love and 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 care. We're not just cooking food; like we actually care about what we're, what we're cooking. We bless our kitchen before starting to I've cook. I've seen her cook. This is real, <laughs> and and so those things are part of the the price that we put on our food. So there are there are you know people that have said. Or people, you know, people of color have said that's too expensive. And I'm like, yeah, but I got to pay rent, too. So I'd say, you know, if you if you have it, give it if you don't promote it to someone that does have it so that we can we can get we can get there because Woke Foods is not for me. I always said as I'm going to start Woke Foods, but eventually I want to I want uh, immigrant women and undocumented women to run it for their own. And then I could maybe be part of the board of directors or take another role. So I never really, I made it for me in the beginning, but I, oh, I'm very clear that that's the future for it. And I see a lot of great things for it. I see a food truck happening. Right now I'm fundraising money to buy land in the Dominican Republic. So Where can we um, donate? You can money? donate on, go on youcaring.com and type in the search box Tingo Educational Farm Cooperative, or you can follow me on Woke Foods, and the link to the fundraiser is in our bio. And so, having that farm um, will allow for us to harvest produce that, and we can become our own importer exporter. And so, I see that happening. I also see Woke Foods being in the Dominican Republic. I see Woke Foods be, being not only Dominican food but other Caribbean and Latinx foods. So, this is just like the beginning. Um, we're doing what we can handle but I definitely see it doing really great things because just last year we started this time last year and look where we are now so I'm really excited and very grateful for all the support that we've been getting thus far like going to cook at the Sankofa Writers Retreat a retreat for women of color that are telling saying there's you know writing their stories I'm I feel like I felt so blessed to be there. And yesterday, like I had to literally go to my room and pray. I had to thank God that I was in that space. And then I went back to cooking because I'm just in awe of all the blessings.
0: That's real. And I'm so happy for you. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the Mamá Tingo space? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> land that you're trying to buy one why you named them Mamatingo also how are you trying to connect Dominicans and Haitians through Mamatingo mm-hmm.
1: so the Mamatingo um, educational farm cooperative project is not something tangible right now but I'm a person that likes to be clear to the universe and claim things like it already exists so for me it already exists and so The plan is to buy the land, and then once we buy the land, bring um, Dominican and Haitians together to have co-ownership of the land. And the reason for that is because we feel that um, through agriculture, which is a place of so much racial discrimination and um, economic injustice, would be a really good place to do, um, to do healing around land-based trauma and and um, systemic racism in the Dominican Republic. Um, the United States has been a key a key person in the corrupt, the corrupt system that happens in the agricultural system in the Dominican Republic. They were the ones that brought Haitian farm workers into Santo Domingo, into the capital of the Dominican Republic when they occupied the island and so And also both the Dominican government and the Haitian government are in cahoots with how they exchange labor. But the people don't know that. The people are just like, the Haitians are taking out the jobs. It's like, no, they're not. They're actually being brought over intentionally. And then they work our fields for 60-plus years. And then when it's time to collect their pensions, they cannot because it's taken away from them. And so the farm project is really to do racial equity trainings with farm. Farm workers and come to this understanding that we are brothers and sisters, that we are all one island. And then once we have the land, then we're planning to build a structure to have a bed and breakfast that would be women ran. So that would be like a women ran bed and breakfast cooperative. The reason for that is because I have a background in tourism and. Um, Tourism in the Dominican Republic is super fucked up. And so a lot of our people usually, me, myself included, my family does this too. We go to resorts. And in the resorts, there's a lot of unfair treatment for the workers. Um, They're not getting paid well. A lot of really great, beautiful places like Punta Cana and Puerto Plata and Samana are being are being taken over by white people, by Canadians and white Europeans. And that's something that I experienced while living in Puerto Plata and Cabarete specifically where people aren't even able to access the beach because they have darker skin or because they don't look what the beach is trying to go for, which is like the South Beach Miami feel. And so like there's like literally a road that divides Cabarete, like Cabarete Beach from like the, the towns that live on the other side which don't even have roads, but then on the other side, we have luxury. And so we want to provide an alternative for people that want to actually be a socially responsible tourist. And also, like, yeah, like funnel money into local businesses, and to local people and to women. Let's really create economic sovereignty for ourselves and stop waiting for governments and for white people and elite people to give us our liberation. We get to create this stuff for our own. And so that's where I use my privilege. I studied this shit. All right, so I'm going to apply to it. I'm right now in farm school um, studying urban agriculture. And so I get to like learn and use my, my, my privilege of promoting this stuff because even though I'm studying this, my people already know this. I'm not going to come in here and be like, hey, let me teach you all this shit that you already know. Right. I'm just going to be like, hey, I have this access or this network of people to give us money. And, like, we're going to do this.
2: Um, I actually never told Lorraine this. So um, I have a question for you, but this will be the first time that Lorraine is hearing this as well. Um, And you probably read about it, but, like, black American people and black Caribbean people here in the United States boycotting the DR Mm. um, because of the laws that separate Mm spanish appearing dominicans and african appearing dominicans and i like participated i am participating like in that boycott and i cannot wait for this bnb to come to fruition so then i can feel socially responsible and feel like this is like I, I can exist in this space So thank you um because a lot of my friends are also like we are not going to the DR. Mm-hmm. Um because
1: it's not safe. It's a it's a double edged sword. It's a double edged sword because then when we decide not to boycott the DR, the people that are hurt the most Real. are like the darker skinned people. Cause they depend off the tourism. And when we boycott, it doesn't really affect the big people at the top. They're chilling. They're good. You know? They're coming here. They're in cahoots with people here, so they're they're chilling. So it's a double-edged sword because a worker could be saying, um, "You know what? I don't I don't want to work here anymore because I'm not getting." Sorry, I want to I want to do a protest or I want to um, do some resistance work around the shit that's happening here. And the reality is that there's a line of people waiting for your job. So if you protest, they're gonna be like, "You're out," and they're gonna bring someone else in. So. So, what advice
2: do you have uh, for Black Americans mm-hmm. supporting Black Dominicans?
1: So, I would go to my dope friend's um, website, Michi um, Anaisa Estevez. Her website is called Una Vaina. Bien Spanish, her entire work is around socially responsible tourism, and she's also a Spanish teacher. She believes in, she believes that. If you're gonna be coming into our country, like you should at least know the freaking language. We're not gonna be learning English for you. You need to learn Spanish for us. And she does a lot of she highlights a lot of local travel and tourism companies doing work that is and they're locally owned and will show you um, around in a way that's that's ethical and is funneling money into the communities that that need it. Um, I I promote internal tourism. So, like, not really... I mean, you can do the Punta Cana and the Semana, but the the Dominican Republic is so beautiful. There's so much luscious greens and beautiful waters and cascades. So I would promote doing that. Um, If boycotting is what you want to do, I get that. And also, I think it's a complex issue that we need to sit with. So we have a segment here out
0: rotten bananas um the first is affirmations for liberation so if you can like share an affirmation that you've used or that you're currently using that you want to share with um other rotten bananas and also telling us about when you most feel free
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah an affirmation that i've been repeating to myself a lot is i am open to the joy and abundance of the universe. I've really been doing a lot of healing work around shifting from scarcity to abundance, which is, I think, an, something that a lot of people that grow up poor um, have, and in this, this shit may even sound problematic, but like, I don't want to think, I don't want to continue to repeat to myself, you're poor, your working class, your low income. Um, yes, those are real things. And also, I want to shift from that to a place where like, I'm abundant. I get to pay rent on time. I get to have food on the table. I get to own property. I get to have all of that. I'm open to that. And what was the other question?
0: When do you mostly feel free? Or you can start the statement with, "When I feel free when...
1: I feel free when I'm swimming in the ocean.
2: I hope you enjoyed our interview with Isanette Batista as much as we did. We're so grateful that we got to talk to her. Please leave us any feedback. Are you transitioning into vegetarianism or veganism? Please let us know how that's going for you. Let us know in the comments and let us know at rockbananas.org. Thank you for listening.